It was just last week, you might remember, when the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rates by 50 basis points. But they said, you know, don't read in anything to that 50 basis points. They're still going to raise rates further. And in fact, Jay Powell, in adopting what seemed like an angry posture at his, his press conference, said, not only are we going to continue raising rates, we're going to hold rates for a very, very long time, far longer than anyone seems to anticipate. All that stuff you see in CPIs, forget that. We're not interpreting the situation the same way as everyone else. We're going to be ultra uber hawkish for the time being. And they were joined the day later by the ECB, Christine Lagarde, adopting the same sort of angry posture, saying we're going to continue raising rates, keep them up forever too. And then yesterday, the Bank of Japan, a central bank known as only ultra dovish, ultra easy for all the wrong reasons I talked about yesterday, suddenly they're rejiggering their yield curve control manipulation in what sounds like another unusually hawkish move from central banks. And by and large, the markets responded to all of these developments with a, basically a shrug, sort of ignoring everything that's gone on in all these key central banks, all of them sending what looks like to be, what looks to be a coordinated hawkish message that the markets are saying, we're just not buying. Curves have barely shifted over the last week, despite all of these things happening. And the question of course is why? And there's really two reasons. There's always two reasons for it. The second of which is, as we've been talking about more frequently, prospects for a globally synchronized recession, maybe a nasty one, and maybe a nasty one that also features a out, another outbreak of disorder in financial markets and across the monetary system. And we've talked about that. The first reason, of course, is that consumer prices themselves materially improved. And that might actually be the case. So what we're going to do today is go over where we stand on the inflation front, quote unquote inflation front. Maybe it was transitory after all. We'll examine what the markets say, what the data says, what consumers say, maybe even the housing market itself. Where do the, It's becoming more and more clear that the theme for 2023 will not be inflation, but that's the bad news. Of course, before we get to that, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has exclusive member videos and content available at our website for purchase, memberships for purchase. We also do research subscriptions where we get into the nitty gritty details of what's going on in the marketplace as well as with the macroeconomic situation, a daily briefing in partnership with Markets Insider Pro, along with my deep dive analysis, where we dive deep into these topics of curves, inflation, what everything's, what, what all of these markets are telling you in the context of the macroeconomic data, as well as what that means moving forward, including, as our topic today, what is 2023 going to look like if it isn't inflationary? Or how, do we, how would we have known that it wasn't inflationary all along? So where we start, we look at, I mean, it was never inflation to begin with. We knew that from the very start because simple economics was at play here. Now, supply shocks happen, or at least have happened frequently, relatively frequently in economic history, except hardly anybody knows supply shocks happen in economic history. And for good reason. I mean, the last one that we experienced in the United States was 80 some years ago. So 70 some years ago, a very long, long time ago. 
So it's it's not like it's something that we experience all the time. So it's understandable that we would not be able to to recognize what was happening. But, you know, simple common sense told you that the ability of the economy to rebound on the demand side was was far better than it was to rebound on the supply side. Inelasticities in the supply chain, which is something we talked about and heard all of the time in 2020 and 2021, not just with regard to um, you know West, po- West Coast port congestion or containers or supply difficulties, trains not being able to navigate the intermodal system, all of those kinds of things. It was really inter- intricacies about the, the economy coming back in terms of demand much faster than the ability of the global supply chain to supply material for that demand. And small economics says the only way to reconcile this growing difference was through prices. I mean, we had to rejigger not just supply chains, but think about it this way. American consumers, which who, you know, used to go to the mall all the time to buy whatever consumer goods people splurge on, suddenly they were buying through Amazon.com, massive purchases through Amazon.com, which meant that we're st- instead of using the existing supply chains to move products from producers to wholesalers to retailers and then to end consumers, we had to reinvent stuff along the way, which created frictions, which created all sorts of problems, inelasticities, which was only ever going to create a situation where prices were the only mechanism to adjust demand versus supply. The difference there, meaning at the end of that process, it would not look like something from the 1970s. It would look like something from the 1940s, the 50s if we're lucky, that demand falls off to match supply. Just as supply starts to come up to meet demand, demand falls faster then supply catches up. In other words, recession. And we knew this was the case pretty much from the beginning because markets had told us that it was. If you paid attention to the yield curve, and most people don't, and it's understandable why they don't, because number one, you only hear about the yield curve when it, was, when it inverts. And so people are led to believe that the only useful information you get from the yield curve or any monetary curve, assuming you know that there are other ones, is when it inverts. And outside of inversion, it must mean everything is hunky-dory and fine. When that's not the case, as I tell people all the time, and I urge you strongly, pay attention to the yield curve at all times, because it, it has, it, it's an enormous amount of information from the biggest, most sophisticated markets. It is the monetary system itself telling you what is going on on the inside in a way that you would never able would never be able to observe directly or have information from it in any other possible format. So the yield curve started to flatten out in May and June of 2021, which was the market's way of saying, as consumer prices were accelerating, that no, this wasn't going to last. It wasn't going to be forever. It was going to be transitory, even if we can't say for sure when it will become clear enough on the downside that it was transitory. But balance of probabilities, the market was saying, the probabilities were rising that it was indeed a transitory supply shock. And those probabilities received a huge boost in October of 2021 when the yield curve flattening started to really pick up. Just as the Federal Reserve and other central banks around the world had already started raising rates, and so short-term rates started to rise relative to long-term rates, 
there was that acceleration in yield curve flattening as the market said okay rates are starting to go up central bankers are starting to turn more aggressive because they're now concerned it isn't transitory but we're still believing that this thing is going to be transitory then of course it took another step december of 2021 euro dollar futures inverted i think i tweeted something like that was the end of inflation which meant that it was the beginning of the end of inflation and that was well before that became uh, obvious but still the market was saying this was a big step toward increased confidence that it was indeed transitory and then of course the yield curve then inverted in march of 2022 the two tens inverted uh, various parts of the yield curve inverted before the two tens especially the key seven to tens and five to ten space which said even more confident as the fed began to hike rates as oil prices went through the roof and gasoline prices went through the roof the market inversions were were the market telling you this is not going to end like the 1970s it's going to end like the late 1940s and then of course what happened june and july the yield curve that was moderately inverted in and out of inversion before then suddenly it became aggressively inverted which was again the market saying more and more even as the fed raises rates further this is going to end as a transitory supply shock and then finally october into november of this year just recently yield curve which were already aggressively inversion inverted suddenly went historically inverted which is the market saying not only are we ultra confident that this is the case we are now more and more inclined to believe it will so sooner than later everybody will see it's the case and that's where we are right now we're starting to look at and we're starting to observe and we're starting to get data that aligns with that market progression telling us that over the last half year of 2022 in particular the data the markets the the uh, actual condition in the global economy is is more and more looking like the downside of transitory leaving us to wonder what that means for 2023 so let's start with the marketplace what does the marketplace think of consumer prices cpis inflation all that stuff transitory supply shocks and everything well from the very beginning too here in the tips market which is which is the government paying treasury investors for the CPI, specifically using the CPI, all the way back in January of 2021, when all of this supply shock stuff began, what you saw was the shorter term break-even rates, which are the differences between the real yield or the nominal yield on the TIPS treasury security and the nominal treasury yield of the same maturity, so the five-year real yield minus the five-year nominal treasury gives you the inflation expectation at the five-year maturity. And what those break-even rates did was they inverted. This was all the way back in January of 2021. And what that said was, is the market expects that shorter-term maturities are going to get paid back by the government by a little bit more in the CPI than in the longer term maturity longer 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 ex, longer dated instruments so the cpi was expected to go up in the shorter run and then not be as high in the longer from the very beginning of this whole supply shock and that never changed and still to this day hasn't changed 
the five-year break-even is still above the 10-year break-even, though the gap has narrowed. And those break-even rates just recently, along with oil and energy prices and everything else, the break-even, the five-year break-even rate as of last Friday had fallen to its lowest level since January 2021, along with the 10-year break-even rate. They've come back a little bit this week. So the, in, the market-based sense of inflation or consumer prices, or really specifically the CPI, has always been from the very beginning that this would be transitory. And now we're, we're at levels on the downside where it's more and more certain or more and more clear that that has been the case, especially over the last six months or so. And when we look at the five-year, five-year break-even, which is derived from this five-year and 10-year, the two five-year, the five-year break-even rate and the 10-year break-even rate, this long-run five-year, five-year inflation expectation derivative, what it has said all along is the same thing, that this was never inflation. The market never once believed that consumer prices would go out of control and stay out of control. Now, you can interpret that in a number of ways. You can say that the market was always expecting the Fed to come in and do its job. I don't particularly believe that because the market has frequently bet against the Federal Reserve, especially we're talking about the yield curve and other things along the way. So in my view, and I think this is the most compelling and uh, compelling and a consistent rational view of the five-year, five-year break-even is that, again, this was always going to be transitory, even if we couldn't tell ahead of time how long it would take before transitory ended up unwinding. But as the break-even rates in tips, the five-year, five-year inflation expectation is clearly on the downside, on the downswing too. We look at consumer surveys. Surveys amongst American consumers, and there are a variety of them. I'll mention three of them here. Today, we got the data from the conference board. And the conference board said inflation expectations retreated in December to their lowest level since September 2021, with recent declines in gas prices a major impetus. No surprise there. Consumers are perceiving that consumer price pressures have abated. We see this in the University of Michigan surveys of consumers. The one-year CPI expectation fell to 4.6% as of their latest data for December. That was the lowest since September 2021. The five-year expectation, so what are consumer price increases going to be five years ahead? That's really stuck at 3% and never moved all that much over the last year to begin with. Uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's their survey of consumers, they have a broad survey of consumers, which includes consumer price expectations, as well as unemployment expectations, which are higher, at the one-year interval. So one year ahead, FRBNY's data, this is for November, so one month further back, 5.23%. That's the median rate from the survey data. That's the lowest in this survey since August of 2021. The three-year was also at 3% like Michigan's. The five-year ahead for the FRBNY survey, 2.3. So like the market for tips break-evens, consumers have never expected that consumer prices would get out of control and stay out of control. Consumers, regardless of what they say in the in the media or policymakers, have considered this consumer price outbreak as temporary and transitory from the very beginning. So consistent with markets, consumer surveys have said that whenever, however long it would take, 
consumer prices would eventually come back down for whatever reasons. The data that we've gotten this week further confirms the, this, this uh, interpretation. Uh, in Germany, producer prices, which absolutely insane how bad can producer prices in Germany and Europe have been, for, primarily because of electricity and energy. Over the last two months, which means October and November, the German PPI has fallen by record monthly amounts in both months. It was down more than 4% month over month in October and down almost 4% month over month in December. Now, yes, it's coming down from a huge high. So producer price index is up still about 25% year over year, but the direction is increasingly clear. And it's not, th those declines were primarily due to falls in electricity. De electricity went way up and started to come back down, but it's not just energy prices. The non-energy PPI in Germany fell by 0.2% month over month in November, which was the first decline in that index since 2020. And you can already see in the index how there's something something changed in it going back to around April, mid-year, April, March, April, May, and June of earlier this year. And that's consistent with of price data that we see all over the world. We've talked about uh, and before Steve Van Meter and I talked about China's PPI as well as factory gate prices, which both turned negative on an annual basis in November too. The first time that that had happened in this cycle, and every time that happens, it is a key dependable signal that the cons the consumer overall price environment around the rest of the world has changed too. In the United States, obviously, what's triggered Jay Powell's ire was the market reaction to the US CPI, US CPIs down and falling, uh, uh, decelerating on an annual basis. Uh, the US CPI in October, November was the lowest since it had been in last, since last December. Uh, CPI services, yeah, I know people are talking about the healthcare prices in it, but either way, CPI services, less rent, down for the second month in a row. Not something that we've seen except for 2020 or 2009. So consistently in the price data that we see all across the world, the, the arrow is pointing down. Everything is pointing down, which just so happens, not random coincidence, to align with the markets have been saying all along. This was only ever going to be transitory. It was never actually inflation, nothing more than the supply shock. And everything has been moving in this direction, whether we realized it or not, since around June of this year. So when the yield curves went aggressively, insanely inverted, that's when things really began to change, which means it was before the Fed or ECB or anybody's rate hikes really got going. And even those who tell you that rate hikes have an effect, they also would admit that rate hikes don't have an effect except for after a lag. So it couldn't have been rate hikes that have led us to this situation where consumer prices have indeed materially improved. Markets expect that, consumers expect that, and even the data is pointing in that direction. And of course the curves are all saying, we don't care about the ultra hawkish central bank policies, so if it wasn't rate hikes that put us in this direction, it puts us back squarely in the supply shock case, which is, again, the bad news. So consumer price pressures, they're done, but that just means that 2023's theme is likely to be disinflationary, if not deflationary, for all the wrong reasons.
I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you for joining me. As always, special thank you to Eurodollar University members as well as our research subscribers. More information about all of those things, eurodollar.university. Until next time, take care.